he'll, I'll break it in or he'll break me in. So that's how that goes. Luke chapter 23, uh, verse 33 through 43. If you would, just stand as we read God's word uh, this morning. Uh, and uh, we'll look at a few verses today, okay? <clears throat> Luke 23, verse 33. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding. The rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for the time to get together and open your word today. And we ask you, Lord, uh, first of all, we pray for Brother Randy today and the group as they have a desire to see Jerusalem. And I pray you just open the doors that they may be able to uh, see the Holy Land and be able to experience some things over there. Uh, and Lord, we ask you, God, as a people here at this church, God, we lift uh, the team up over there, Lord. I pray that you provide uh, protection and opportunities to to experience uh, Jerusalem and Israel. And then, Lord, as we get into the message today, we uh, are at the cross here. Help us to uh, see with open eyes uh, the real reality of our condition. And, Lord, I pray that uh, also help us to rejoice in the salvation which you so freely give us at Calvary. We ask you that your uh, blessing be upon your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Maybe you see it. Well, we go to the cross today, and a lot of folks will go to the cross around Easter time, but hey, I go to the cross anytime I can. Amen? Uh, the cross is, uh, was a planned event. Uh, it was bef planned before even the foundations of the earth was laid, according to Scripture. Uh, it was also a very not a planned event, but we see here is a painful event, and that is... Uh, uh, if, you, if you really think about Jesus on the cross, we have very beautiful pictures of Jesus, and uh, it looks so neat and all that, but in reality, there's no uh, depiction, no movie, no pictures that could ever come close to the gore and the blood and uh, just the, the awfulness that occurred, the tragedy that occurred at Calvary. Uh, it was something we probably wouldn't want to see. It's something we would probably be sick to our stomach to, to witness. Uh, 
Uh, and not only that, as a matter of fact, the, the, the person of Jesus there on the cross, Isaiah 52, verse 14, says, As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of man. So to get an accurate picture of the Calvary, we really can't see... Uh, Jesus is unrecognizable on the cross. He's been beaten, he's been whipped, uh, he's been scourged, uh, and uh, there he is on the cross, uh, unrecognizable uh, as far as, uh, as any other man. He, uh, and so uh, that, with that being said, we need to get that picture today of, of Calvary and Christ on the cross. With that being said, again, we also know that the Bible makes clear that the death of Christ uh, wasn't about the pain, uh, it wasn't just about the pain and, and the planned event, but it was also about the purpose. It was a payment for our sins. It was a payment. If you read Isaiah 53, uh, that's a good chapter to read. We don't have time to read it all today, but uh, I'll encourage you to get into chapter 53 of Isaiah uh, which makes it clear over and over again that all this was done for payment. All this was done for you and for me. When you think of the cross, when you think of Calvary, and by the way, the word, the word Calvary here speaks of the skull. That's the shape of the, of the place of the crucifixion. We find it was all done for us. Jesus died on Calvary for us. He took our place at Calvary for us. Mark chapter 10 verse 45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And so you find the purpose of the cross. So even as Jesus hung on the cross, now here's what we're going to today. Even as he hung on the cross that day, he gave us a living illustration of what his death was all about. We have on that cross that there was two thieves, and one of those thieves uh, reached out, and, and one of those thieves asked the Lord to remember him. And we find that Jesus reached out in love and compassion and saved that lost sinner on the cross while he was on the cross. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. So if you look at verse 39, we'll get into uh, what we're looking at today. We're going to see the tragedy of a man, tragedy of mankind. In verse 39, it says, uh, One of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. Now, Jesus was crucified between two thieves, so the Bible here calls them malefactors, and that's an evil word, that means evildoer. In other words, the thief, a thief is one thing to go in and break in and to steal something, but to commit armed robbery or bodily harm to someone, that's what the word malefactor, these guys, both of these guys were no good. There was a third cross that Jesus was on, but do you all remember Barabbas? They released Barabbas, so he got off scot-free, all right? Jesus took his place. That's another sermon in itself. But we find that these two thieves here, uh, they, were, they were not nice people, all right? They were probably the lowest of the lowest of uh, criminals in the world. And, and there they are, caught, guilty, convicted, condemned, 
and being punished for all that they've done. That's why the Bible talks about here, it says they were hanged. And uh, it's, that's why it brings to, to light that they had to go through the trial. They just wasn't captured and threw on the cross. They went through the trial just like Jesus did. They were beaten. They were scourged. Uh, uh, they were taken to the place of execution. They were ridiculed. They were spit upon. These were the thieves, okay? Just like Jesus. They were, they were whipped and so on. And they both, they both were dying in agony. And there was no hope for those criminals to escape on the cross. It's a tragic moment about to occur here because we find that these men are about to die and they're going to die just as they have lived without God. Uh, you may be here now, we're all at church, I'm assuming we, it could be we're all saved here, but there are folks today that are living without God. They're practicing atheists. They may believe, say they believe God. They may profess God. They may do the God things and say the God words and carry the God Bible, but they're really practicing atheists. They live as though there is no God. There are people today that are living wicked lives that are headed to lost eternity. And just like these two criminals here, they are living a life, uh, they are a uh, die like they have lived without God. We're told that these men, both of these men's own pain, uh, they both cried out in mockery. They both mocked the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. They both, over in Matthew chapter 27, verse 44, it speaks of the thieves. It says, These thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. In other words, those, both of those thieves were doing exactly what the religious crowd was doing, what the crowd was doing, what the soldiers was doing. They were ridiculing and railing and mocking God. When I think of that, I'm wondering that somewhere along the line that these two fellows, their religion didn't work for them. And it doesn't. <laughs> their religion didn't work for them. Maybe they, they thought God had let them down. Maybe in life. I don't know why they did what they did. We have no indication whatsoever that uh, what they did, we just know it was bad enough for them to be crucified. And... Uh, and so we find here that they are definitely, you know, uh, somewhere along the line, we don't have a history of them, but we do know they're bad to the bone. Y'all say that with me. Bad to the bone. Y'all looking at somebody else when you're saying it, aren't you? Okay. <laughs> well, we find here, look at verse 39. We're going to home in now on one of the thieves here. He said, uh, says here in verse 39, and one of the malefactors which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. Now remember, these guys are in pain. These guys are in agony. Jesus is in pain. I mean, this, this is not a pretty picture. And they're, they're turning against the, the Son of God. Both of them are. We find here this one is is now using the word if. You'll find that on the cross, the, those who railed against Christ, those who mocked Christ, they used the word if. If you be Christ, if you be the Son of Man, come down and save yourselves and us. The word if. The word if. You know, that's what Satan does, uh, uses the word if in our life. He'll challenge, uh, just like they challenge Christ's identity, he'll challenge our identity. 
Have you ever been challenged before? Your identity? And you call yourself a Christian. Look what you've done. You know, Satan likes to put a guilt trip on us, doesn't he? He likes to uh, uh, challenge who we are to be, who we are. We are children of God. He'll put an if in our brain, and he'll put doubts in our mind. And uh, we just need to remind ourselves when those doubts come, when those ifs come, there, there's no ifs in our relationship with God. There's no ifs. Don't let Satan uh, do that in your mind. But anyway, let's go back to the, the thief here. We find he's challenging the identity of Christ. He don't, he, he don't believe the testimony of Christ. He don't believe who he is. He don't believe anything. He says, if thou be Christ, save thyself and us. We get to the point in our life, sometimes we uh, have some difficult time and we, uh, we use the word if. God, if you're there, show me. Get me out of this. God, if you are up there, save me. Lord, if you're there, uh, if you agree, if you if you uh, if you're there, God, if you agree with me, you agree with me, okay? If you're there, uh, you may be in the emergency room, and maybe your daughter's or son's sick. Lord, if you will save my daughter or save my son, get him out of this emergency room, then I will do what we make all sorts of negotiations with God. But that's not a real test of of uh, who God is, is it? You know. We think of God as a personal genie. Y'all remember the show I Dream of Genie? Okay, right, can you do that? Man? We think of God as, uh, as someone who could, uh, when we, like a spare tire, when we are in trouble, we call on Him, Lord, if you're up there, God, if you could do this, then I will do that. And that's not the God who we serve. That's not the God who we believe in. We find here he is not a genie. Listen, he is not a Santa Claus. He doesn't, he's not a uh, wham-bam, we get whatever. He is a sovereign God. He is a God of love and mercy. He's also a holy God. And we find here that this man was uh, basically, didn't, he didn't believe the testimony of Jesus, didn't believe, doesn't believe the sign that was hanging there on the cross. This is the king of the Jews. Uh, and then here in his dying moments and his anger, his pain and torment, he lashes out at the very person who could have made a difference in his eternity. There are folks like that. It's sad and tragic to see people turn their back, turn their mind, turn their hearts against God. It's interesting when I read this, I'm reminded here that Jesus didn't answer. There's not one recorded word of him answering that thief nor of the religious crowd that was mocking him, nor of the soldiers that were mocking him. Jesus didn't answer those. He didn't even speak to those people. You know why? Because, hey, as Jesus said, we are condemned already. We are condemned already. I'm reminded, you know, we, gotta live, we want to live like Jesus did. It's not necessarily, we don't necessarily have to answer those who ridicule us. Amen? How many of y'all have ever been ridiculed before? Talked about. Okay? If not, uh, sign up. We'll have a talk about you list in the back. Okay? You don't have to answer the critics. You don't have to answer the... Uh, most of the time. Okay? Uh, I think when you look at Jesus, he didn't, he didn't say one word against those. It, it's like he just ignored them. 
he went on. His, his, his ears were tuned in to the cry of the thief that was on his right side there. There are those, many of us, who would never mock the name of Jesus, but I tell you, we do that a lot of times when we deny Christ, but when we just act as though he does not exist. We live a life as though he is not there. And I want to tell you, as Christians here today, we are guilty, guilty of living our life as though Christ had not made a difference in our life. Amen? Amen. It's tragic on Christians. That's, I'm, uh, but I'll, I'll go on here. Go down to verse 40 here. It says, But the, the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. Now, if you look at this closely, what you'll see here is somebody who eyes and heart were opened. In other words, their eternity eye was opening in realization that uh, something is real here on the cross. Whether it be the routine of our life or the trials of our life, God is always near to us. And this is what we find here, that uh, Jesus was near. Uh, he's in the midst there of both of these thieves. Yet this one thief decided to take the opportunity of a lifetime, which would be ending soon, his last chance, and that is to call out to Jesus. Well, I'm reminded of how close our Lord is. I'm reminded He is that close in our life today. And that uh, whether it be salvation or comfort or love or His passion for me, He is always there for us. He's there in our midst. That's why Isaiah 55, verse 6 and 7 says, Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, the unrighteous man in his thoughts. Listen, we seek the Lord where he may be found. What does that tell me? That tells me he can be found, he is found, he's there. We just need to turn to him. I wonder what opened his eyes, this thief on the cross. Now this is my own personal, my own personal thoughts, uh, and you can write them down and you can throw them away if you want. But I think what opened his eyes, I think uh, for, as I was reading this, I wondered if uh, perhaps when Jesus prayed the prayer, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I wondered if that is what struck a chord in his heart. Y'all agree? You may agree? That's something to think about. But isn't it true that we all seek forgiveness? Isn't it true that all of us uh, in this world, I don't care who you are, we all seek peace, and to get peace, we seek forgiveness. And so I wonder if the, hearing the words uh, after being railed in, he himself uh, mocked Jesus. He himself uh, cursed at Jesus. He himself, uh, this thief, uh, did with everyone else, the religious crowd and the, the soldiers and the other thief. They, they, uh, the Bible says railed against him. They mocked him. And, and yet you hear as this not very... Uh, you cannot recognize who this was on the cross, but it was Jesus, his marred body, 
Yet you hear these words, this prayer coming out of his mouth. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Yet we find that thief was the one also that Jesus was asking forgiveness for. Forgiveness. Oh, listen. It feels good to be forgiven. Everybody say, uh, everybody say I'm sorry. Mm, don't that feel better? Okay, look at somebody and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, those are words that, that uh, we need to put in our vocabulary. It feels good to say, I'm sorry. It feels good to seek forgiveness. Here's, another, here's a few words here. Uh, I know I'm having a little fun here, but it says, I, I forgive you. Say it with me. I forgive you. Uh, we're going to practice that, okay? Let's say it one more time. I forgive you. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you. I feel so good now. It's true, though. We all seek forgiveness. As, as we find this thief on the cross here, the judgment was near and his situation was hopeless and there was no way of escape getting off the cross. There was no uh, do-over buttons. There was no reset buttons in his life. It was a done deal. And eternity was fastly closing upon him. And we find a wake-up call coming. He's answering. He, he tells his other... He rebukes his other uh, uh, criminal uh, partner there says, Does not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? Don't you fear God? We're all condemned. A realization today that, hey, we are all condemned. We need to fear God and realize there is a God in heaven and we are under condemnation that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and we cannot save ourselves and religion won't help us and religious relics won't help us and being good won't help us. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. All hopeless are we without Christ. And this man here, this thief on the cross, was a rotten person, just like you and I are here today with no hope. Proverbs 9:10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Oh, that we may have a wake-up call of our condition today. You may be here today lost without Christ. You may be here today living a life without God. You need a wake-up call. And God may be speaking to your heart right now to wake you up to realize of your condition that you're in. You are condemned just like all of us are and were. It was the sin that put that thief on the cross. His sin put him on the cross. We see his acknowledgement of sin here. If you look at verse 41, it says here, it says, we indeed justly, in other words, we deserve all this. We receive the due reward of our deeds. Let me stop here and say the wages of sin is what? Death. But this man had done nothing amiss. Jesus was on the cross not because of sin. He was on the cross because of our sin. He was on the cross because of judgment that was placed on him for us. And we find here that an acknowledgement of sin, this man here realized that his sin nailed him to the cross and 
The reason why he was saved is because he realized, first of all, that he was lost. Now, this is pretty interesting. If you're like me, when you drive, and my wife can testify of this, just don't get too many details, but I get lost often when I drive. Have you all done that? I get lost. And uh, sometimes I think, I praise the Lord, we've got Siri. Praise the Lord, i got Google Maps. But uh, when sometimes I think, well, how, I'm going to turn Google, I'm going to turn old Siri off, my phone off, I'm going to try to do it on my own. You know what? I'll go in circles. Especially if it's a roundabout. <laughs> I can't find things. Back in the day, when, uh, back in our day, when I was growing up, you know, we had, uh, we had the maps. Uh, we had the paper map, you had to look it out there, we'd, we'd mark it out. And then along coming computer, we got MapQuest, wherever it had all these big old stack of papers that gave us details of where to go. And, uh, you know, we still got lost. We are prone to get lost. All of us here are prone to wander and get lost. But I've realized this very, listen, I've realized this uh, is so important. In order for you to find out where you need to go, you've got to, first of all, stop and recognize and admit to the fact that you're lost. Now, when I was a young, 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 way back in the 80s, I uh, did the revivals back then when I was like 18, 17, 18 years old. Okay, back, well, I look like this, but anyway. <laughs> uh, we was out in Bunker. Y'all know where Bunker, Missouri's at? And we did a, we did, now you can't, who would have thought you'd get lost in Bunker? I was trying to find a church there in Bunker. And this was before maps, this was before phone, this was before all that. But I kind of figured I could find it on my own. And I drove and drove. I had my revival team with me. You know, we're all kids back then. We're trying to find this church. Now, the church is not hard to find in Bunker. But it is when I'm driving. And I got this station wagon driving around. I was like five miles off. I was out in the boonies. And then I finally had to recognize the fact that, hey, I need to stop at this old gas station, and I need to ask someone where the church is at. And, you know, that was a defining moment. I had to stop, realize I was lost, and didn't know my way, didn't know my direction. And they told me where I needed to go. And I found the church five miles later. With that being said, now that's a little illustration. I think we all can relate to that. You've got to realize you're lost before you are found. You've got to realize of your condition before, uh, you, before the Lord can change your life. Your need for Christ, that's important, but you've got to realize you need Christ. You cannot save yourself. I cannot save myself. We are all hopeless and lost. But we need Jesus. And that's why when we look here at verse 41, we find that uh, an acknowledgement of, of uh, His condemnation. We deserve this death. We deserve the death on the cross. We deserve all that's given us. But this one who is in our midst does not deserve any of this. He, there's no condemnation with Him. Isn't that our Lord and Jesus Savior? Isn't that Jesus Christ right there? We find here in verse 41, it says... Uh, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man had done nothing amiss. Nothing amiss. 
And I want you to notice what he says here in verse 42. He said unto him, unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest unto thy kingdom. He was asking forgiveness what he was doing. He realized that, hey, remember me. I'm, I don't deserve any of this. I don't deserve nothing. Just remember me. He recognized that his sin also nailed Jesus to the cross. Jesus was uh, nailed to the cross, but he didn't deserve to be, but yet he was there. And we find that uh, everyone, when everyone was mocking the Lord Jesus, when everyone was ridiculing Jesus, this dying thief right here, if you look at it, this dying thief was the only one treating Jesus as Lord and King. He calls him Lord. And he calls him king because he says, When you enter, when uh, remember me when thou enter into thy kingdom. If you have a kingdom, my friend, uh, you must be a king. And so everyone else would say, If you be Christ, if you be Christ. But this thief finally he says, Hey, Lord, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. Remember now, this is the lowest point of Jesus' life. We already established the fact you cannot even recognize Him on the cross. We recognize this fact that the gore and the swelling in the flesh because of what they beat Him on, and there He is on the cross, and there's pain, there's agony. This is not a pretty picture of Calvary. Calvary was a brutal picture. We need to never forget that. But somehow this thief here perceived that Jesus was the door to the kingdom. And I believe that is faith in itself. The eyes of faith. He had the eyes of faith. And that's how we come to God. By faith, we have faith in what He said we are, which we don't take much to recognize that we're sinners. We have faith in who God is. We have faith in that the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. We have faith that, uh, uh, that our salvation comes uh, through the cross, that Jesus died on Calvary, and that three days later He rose from the grave. We have faith. We wasn't there to see it, uh, but oh, I tell you, I'm here to experience it. I have faith. Praise God for that. Amen. Having faith. And we find here, last of all, you find Jesus' response there, was uh, a response that uh, was the best thing that this thief ever heard. Verily, verse 44, or verse 43, And he said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Today! Today! Now, man's religion says, Well, you need... You need to come off the cross for a little bit. I don't know how you're going to get off the cross, but we need to take you off the cross, take you to church. You need to attend church at least three Sundays in a row. Okay, three Sundays in a row. Have some scripture memorized. Cut your hair a little bit. Clean up. And then maybe you'll make it. You see how hopeless our salvation is with man? Most people would have wrote these guys all. But you find here, Jesus said, today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Today. 
That's just about as quick as you can get there. Amen? Today. Today is a day of salvation. When I read this, I'm reminded, you know, Jesus again was at his lowest, but yet at his lowest he was able to save a dying, wretched thief when he was at his lowest. He was mocked and ridiculed, sheer pain and agony, yet at his lowest point. I mean, he could have called 10,000 angels down, but he did not. His lowest point, Jesus could get off the cross, but he didn't. He stayed on the cross. He stayed on the cross for you and I and for that thief to be saved. How much more can he save us today? Being the resurrected Christ. How great is his power to save us today, amen? That should bring rejoicing in our heart. How great is his mercy and grace. If the Savior could save a dying thief while dying, how much more can he do with us now that he has ascended and he's alive forevermore? Hebrews 7.25, I reminded of this verse, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing that he ever liveth to make intercession for them. We have a living Savior who has the power to change our lives and transform our lives and save us. Oh, I tell you, that just should excite us. It excites me today how much that the Lord can save us. He saved us, changed us, turned our life around today. That's God's way of telling us that at any time, any place, God can save us. The promise of heaven here. Listen what Jesus said today. You'll be with me in paradise. There's a promise of, of heaven and the promise of his presence. You'll be with me in paradise. Did not the Lord say, let not your heart be troubled? If you believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Not only do we have the promise of heaven, but the promise of his presence. What a wonderful promise we have. That tells me there's no purgatory, no soul sleep, uh, no uh, reincarnation, all right? None of that garbage out there. Hey, whenever, as a Christian, a born-again Christian, when I die, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Praise God for that. That's why we celebrate, we really celebrate life. We celebrate someone who passes away, not because of that, that they've gone. <laughs> Some of them we do because they're gone. But hey, hey, we celebrate where they have are going, where they're at today in the presence of Jesus. Oh, listen. All because of what Christ done for us. He saves to the uttermost. Some of you in this room may know some rotten people, and you may be one of them. <laughs> but, but the Lord has changed your life. And you can just praise him, just praise him for that blood that was shed on Calvary. Praise him that he, he saw beyond, looked beyond our faults and saw our needs. Looked beyond our sin and covered us in his blood. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. 
there at the cross, we find that this, this thief was no longer a thief, but became a child of God. His identity changed. He became forgiven, not condemned, but set free. Was he, was he set free physically? No. Was he set free spiritually? Absolutely. His body was nailed to the cross, all right, but his soul was set free to be forever with the Lord. I'm reminded uh, a, year, a couple of years ago in the prison, we used to be in the prison ministry, we had to uh, do Bible study with prisoners. They had testimony time. One guy got up there and he was so thankful that he's in prison. I'm like, what? I'm so thankful I'm in this penitentiary because it took, it took a judge to send me here. It took me to get here in this awful place. I'm in prison. I'm not free. But I am free because of Christ. Because of prison, he heard the gospel. Because of prison, it was at prison he got saved. And although he'll never walk these out, these, uh, he'll never uh, walk out in, uh, in the world that we know today, he's still over there in the prison, uh, down there in Charleston. He's still there. But he's free, free, free because of what Christ has done. Oh, listen, are you free today? Uh, do you know the Lord? Now, you may know the Lord. Praise God. What a day to rejoice about your salvation. Rejoice that the blood is what the blood of Christ has done and, and washed away all your sins. But you may be here today without Christ. You may be listening and you're living a life without God. Or maybe you're pretending. And that's just the same thing. We need to recognize, first of all, there's a choice when it comes to Christ. And no one is beyond hope. I don't care what you've done in your past or what you're doing right now. The Lord will forgive. He will forgive you. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What does the word all mean? All means all, and that's all it means. He's here to save you. Do you know the Lord? I'm reminded of that song that I think Brother Randy used to love this song, the song called There is a Fountain Filled with Blood. William, uh, William Copen wrote that. Now, he lived in depression all his life. I mean, uh, he was a secular poet writer and he was born with depression and all his life he was depressed, 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 depressed. But one day along the way he got saved. One day along the way, uh, uh, he was at a friend's house and uh, they were reading the Bible and he came to know the Lord. Now, he still struggled with depression toward the end of life, but instead of that, though, he had the Lord to help him with it. But uh, one of the very first uh, things he wrote was about a fountain that was filled with blood. There is a fountain, you all know it, filled with blood. Drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flood. Lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty stains. 
lose all their guilty stains, all of them, amen, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains, like the second one, the dying thief rejoice to see that fountain in his day. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. Wash all my sins away. Wash all my sins away and there may I though vile as he wash all my sins away gotta sing another one hey dear dying lamb thy precious blood shall never lose its power till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. Be saved to sin no more. Be saved to sin no more till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. Don't you get some little goosebumps on you? Amen. Now let's sing this one. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wrench like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Was blind, but now I see was blind but now I see I once was lost but now I'm found was blind but now I see our heads are bowed our eyes are closed it is wonderful today to know for certain that you have salvation is not because of your goodness, not because of your religious merits, but because of grace and faith through Christ. We all fall short of God, but He loves us and He saved us. He saved me years ago, an eight year old boy, the fourth pew at Twin Springs Baptist Church. And he saved you. Many of you can testify of what he's done in your life. But we're going to give you a time today to talk to the Lord. A time today to make a decision. Do you know for certain that you have eternal life? 
Do you know without a shadow of doubt that Jesus lives in your heart and you have forgiveness? We want to give you the opportunity to come to know the Lord today. Place your faith and trust in Him, a childlike faith. The Lord wants us to come to Him like the thief on the cross, just as you are. Don't have to clean up. Don't have to shape up. Just have to come to Him and receive that free gift of salvation. We want to give you the opportunity today during this invitation time. And we also, maybe you're here as a Christian and you just want to praise God for your salvation. And, but maybe you're not living exactly the way that the Lord wants you to live in your life. And maybe you're living a life without God even though you have God. Maybe you need to talk to the Lord today and ask forgiveness for that. and Recommit your life, whatever it might be. The invitation is for you to come right now during this time. Our heads are bowed, our eyes closed. Let's pray and then our musicians will come and uh, we'll have a time of invitation. Heavenly Father, we ask you that you will take charge of this time of decision. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit will have the freedom today to move on our hearts. Oh, we rejoice in that fountain just like the thief. Rejoice in the blood that was shed at Calvary. Lord, we thank you. I thank you for saving me and changing my life. We ask you now that your Holy Spirit will have freedom and that our hearts will be yielded to your Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. You come. Maybe you just need to come and pray. What a wonderful morning to just come to the altar and to talk to the Lord. We don't want to hinder the Holy Spirit in any way. But you come on. Come just as you are. I'm going to be here at the front. Perhaps you need to come. You don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. You come take me by the hands of Brother Vester. I, I want to trust Jesus today. I want to follow the Lord Jesus. I want him to save my soul. Won't you do that right now? Come on. Sing that first verse out together. Here we go. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God. verse you come right now just as I am and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot